Recharge listeners, and welcome to a very special edition of the Teacher Recharge podcast. Last week, I mentioned that I wanted to try and bring on a teacher from the Los Angeles area for this week's episode because of, obviously, the Los Angeles teacher strike that was going on. And so I reached out to some of my buds, and thanks to Nicola Longers, uh, who is a business consultant and a business coach. I'll put a link in the description to her stuff, but thank you to her for for kind of hooking this up. The guest today is Jacqueline Torres. She is a ceramics teacher at San Fernando Valley High School in San Fernando Valley, uh, California, part of the LAISD, and she took the time the day that the strike ended to give a little interview to kind of put some fresh perspective on it, give you some answers to some questions about what was going on with that and hopefully empower you and motivate you to take a growth mindset into the week. So without further ado, enjoy this awesome interview with a really, really great person, Jacqueline Torres. To another edition of the Teacher Recharge this week. As I talked about last week, I, I, I said at the beginning of last week's episode that uh, with everything going on in Los Angeles, I would love to get a teacher from the Los Angeles area on the show. And I've actually done it. Oh my gosh. So I have a fantastic guest on the show. Her name is Jacqueline Torres. She's an art teacher. She's from San Fernando Valley, and she has been so kind on such short notice to join me on a call and kind of talk about everything that is going on. So how are you doing? I know it's been a pretty intense day with the strike ending and stuff. So how are you doing? How are you feeling? Today's an interesting day because today is the first day we're back from school. And as of last night, we weren't sure until about 7 o'clock p.m., if we were going to be coming back because it was a contract that was deal that was made and we had a vote on it. And there was some people who weren't crazy about the contract. I mean, there was, you know, it wasn't perfect. There was issues with it, but we heard some positivity. So we really didn't know. So uh, up until 7 PM, it was kind of like up in the air, but it was, it seemed like it was pretty sure that we we're going to come back to work, you know? Yeah. And so it's been a big shift from like going out and picketing out in the cold, the wind, the rain to like coming back to our classrooms. And one funny thing that keeps happening to me is like, uh, you know, obviously for me, it's uncomfortable to come into the room and just like jump right in without addressing the big elephant in the room. So right. every time I would speak to my students about the, the strike or bring it up, I, I would refer to like anything we did before. I said, yeah, so right before we went on break and I'm like, no, 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 we didn't go on break. I went on strike, you know? Yeah. So, you know, I'm like transitioning back into like normalcy again. And it's, it's interesting. It's, you know, there's definitely a different uh, energy in the air and walk down the hall is definitely different than I did before the strike. Yeah. So that's actually a really good segue into a question I, I really wanted to ask you was, uh, what first of all, I don't think I asked this beforehand. What what grade do you teach right now? I teach high school, so I teach so. everything nine through twelve. My classes are pretty mixed. Right. Yeah. So, with that said, it's not something that you could just gloss over, like and say, like, oh, that's a break, you know. Like, so how how has that dialogue happened with your students? What what has it been like? I know it's only like one day in, but like, how have they reacted? 
and how are you kind of like dealing with that? Well, it wasn't an, an entirely big surprise because right before the strike actually occurred, there was a tentative date for the strike set mm-hmm. for the first week of January, which I think I'm going to say was like the 10th. Yeah, that was the original date that we were scheduled. The superintendent tried to file an injunction and try to stop us from being able to strike on that day. So we actually moved it to the following week. Meanwhile, every day in the class, we were actually, you know, addressing that telling the Uh students, hey, this might happen if this happens X, Y, and Z. And so coming back, there was, it was a lot of really nice, warm moments. The students, there was a lot of I miss you's and a couple of hugs. And the kids, they're totally on our sides. I think the community in general was on our side. I mean, we had yeah. 80% community support, parents, community students, organizations, businesses around. You feel that. I felt that for my students. And so as they came in, I'd already, like I said, I'd already talked about it before we went on strike. So it was me kind of just seeing what they wanted to know and ask. And there was a lot of questions that they did have, but ultimately, you know, I just kind of address why we were there, what came out of the contract for us, why some people may not like it, mm-hmm. what our job is moving forward. So, yeah. yeah. So with that said, that's a great segue into that question. So <laughs> what is like, why, why the, why the strike? What was it? What was the contract? All that good stuff that you just, okay, yeah. that would be great to, to hear. Yeah, so that was like my little teaser for that. Well, the the strike is incredibly important for a lot of reasons. I mean, we are the second largest district in the country. And so it's pretty historic for that reason, just on the magnitude of it alone. And also, LAUSD had not gone on strike since 1989. And the funny thing is that there are some teachers currently at our school and other schools in the district that were there in that strike. So this is their second strike in those 30 years. So second largest uh, district, huge strike. There was 30,000 teachers that were out there and we had 28,000 other members of the community. And so the reasons why we were striking, well, first, a lot of people kind of thought that that might be the primary reason, but salary was a reason, but it wasn't the main reason. They were propositioning the possibility of increasing class size, the caps up to 50 students per class. And so we're like, that's not okay. And so there were a lot of issues that we were facing. So obviously we have overcrowded classrooms like Mm -hmm. myself right now. I mean, we can barely get by sometimes and teaching a ceramics classroom. That's kind of crazy and hectic. I mean, students are trying to get from point A to point B in the classroom, their lockers, moving things around and -hmm. things constantly get knocked and broken over, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's just me. I know a lot of other teachers have other issues. We have understaffed campuses. A lot of schools in the district have a nurse that's only there one day a week. And so in case of an emergency, and there's a lot of horror stories you can find in case of an emergency, if something happens, if a kid has a seizure, if something, any kind of emergency, if you, who have something terrible happen to a student on the wrong day, you're kind of out of luck. You know, you, if your nurse is only there on Thursdays and you get hurt on a Monday, then you, you're going to have some trouble there. And then a lot of schools don't even have librarians. So we have inadequate state funding and we, we try really hard to make ends meet. Like in my school, they worked really hard to stretch out the resources we do have and raise money to get certain things like a full-time nurse, like a full-time librarian, but that's not something you get in every campus. So those are the things that we're fighting for. In addition, some of those things, I mean, obviously by decreasing classroom sizes, you make it so, you know, more pupil to 
teacher ratio or I mean less you also free up some classrooms you get to hire more teachers and basically we're also fighting the privatization of education and having charters I mean a lot of a lot of community schools which is what our school is considered right. to be face the possibility of a co-location of a charter school where you basically have so many students in a room and so you have all these freed up spaces spaces in in the school that they try to shove a charter school in there and you're competing for the same resources on the same campus. Mm-hmm. Having worked at a charter school before that did something like that, slightly different, but where you had competing resources, it's not going to work out so well. And so those are just some of the major things in addition to lessening testing and and those are the main, main main things. So LA, obviously, over the past week, how how long has did the did the strike actually last? I the strike lasted all of last week plus uh, Tuesday this week because Monday we were you know it's MLK, right. Martin Luther King Day, so we were off. So it was six days. Okay, yeah. And so while this is happening, obviously LA has, has been the spotlight has been on Los Angeles quite a bit and i think there has the nation has been behind the teachers for the most part which has been pretty cool to to see and and i don't think you would know that because you're not you're in la you know like that's kind of yeah. an interesting little perspective there because i get the perspective of being in kansas and watching all of this unfold yeah. which is, is is really interesting but a couple things you said so you said that you had already been at a, a charter school before and i don't think i mentioned that at the beginning is that this is your eighth year teaching so you're right. You've seen kind of all of this develop and, and all of that kind of go through. Also, another thing I saw on Instagram while I was kind of doing my research over this is someone posted a classroom size like video. So they posted like 20 students in the classroom. Okay, that's manageable. And then 25. Oh, that's still pretty manageable. Okay, still a few seats open. 30, that's okay. And then they got to like 45 and it was like people around the classroom like standing and stuff. And it was just like this crazy representation of just like that is what you're looking at with that kind of thing. And then the possibility of there being a raise or whatever, not and and not the biggest raise in the world. It it just it was it's definitely something like I said, the nation was behind you with all of this stuff. So today we're recording this on a, a Tuesday, the Tuesday that the strike actually ended. And so that kind of makes me want to ask, so what is the contract all about? Our contract, the LUSD's contract with the teachers was up in 2017. And since then, there hadn't been a new contract. And when they tried to negotiate, it just, they came to an impasse. So, you know, they had several conversations. When when I first came into my current school in August, shortly, I believe it was in September, we had a vote all across all of LUSD asking teachers if they'd be willing to strike. 98% of the teachers said they would strike. So once that was that happened and they tried to negotiate several more times, that's when we decided to go ahead on it. And finally, what came from the contract yesterday was not only did they not increase their class size, but they decided to decrease it. Now, you know, it's not going to be instant. We're not going to go from 40 to like 30, 35. And, our, and in this semester, or even this year, it's going to take a few years. But that was the first thing. In fact, there's a clause in the previous contract that allow them to ignore classroom cap size based off of the circumstances. And so they could increase it as much as they wanted. So that was the biggest deal for us. Right. So that was number one. Number two was also, well, was the salary, I guess that's number one, number two, um, salary. So they're counting, we're getting a 3% retroactive raise from 2000, 
2017 to 2018, and then another additional 3% raise from 2018 to now. Won't necessarily, well, for some people, might not necessarily cover the, the losses in a week, but, you know, it'll help a bit, you know. Then uh, they will be, the plan is to have a nurse, a full-time nurse at every school within the next few years. They're going to be hiring full-time nurses. They're going to be hiring full-time librarians, more counselors as well. And some additional things that there's going to be designations of community school with that comes additional resources and funding. But those are the major points Mm -hmm. uh, that we're having. I listen to a podcast called Up First from NPR. And what they were saying was like, there's quite a few little snags in it, I guess. I mean, it's definitely better than than nothing, but there's still a few things that have yet to be decided. Like, how is all of this going to be funded? Like all mm-hmm. of that. And I've heard things like the mayor is saying, he just hopes that it's going to be funded. Like yeah. um, things like that. And then also part of the way that they're going to kind of alleviate, I, I guess that is, is it is over the next, is it over the next like three years? Is that what it is? Like as far as like the raises go and stuff? The, well, the raise is supposed to go, is supposed to be effective, I believe immediately. Not entirely clear. Here. This nego- this negotiation, the contract for this is going to be up at the end of 2020, the school year in 2020. So we're going to be renegotiating again. And so things oh, may okay. change. But these are the plans going forward. Now, as far as the funding goes, after they were trying to negotiate and they had to get mediators to do fact finding, it was revealed that LAUSD had a surplus of one8 billion dollars yeah and i heard that too as well yeah yeah and so you don't just sit on that much money right if that's for a rainy day well it was pouring last week when we were out right so you know that's one part of it they talked about presenting a new bill in 2020 that would change some of the rules around the 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 income and property taxes business taxes Mm -hmm. and the incoming governor uh, of california is uh, talking about wanting to fund california schools better because right now california is unfortunately about 41st i've heard uh, i've heard numbers in 41st to 46th in per pupil spending but we're number one in per prisoner uh, spending at about 75,000 to going up to about 80,000 and we're also the fifth largest economy in the world so we need to do a lot better than that right wow well (coughs) we are almost at the break but that is just super interesting to hear what i want to ask before we we hit the break is what this podcast is all about and that's obviously helping teachers start their week off you know on a positive note all that good stuff so my question to you though is being a teacher that's kind of been in in the spotlight lately is how were you starting your week knowing that this stuff was about to to happen like how were you starting your week off with a positive note how were you going into monday just ready to go knowing that things crap might be about to hit the fan and then also like i mean we've already kind of answered that the next question is like how are you responding now like how are you starting your week off and just ready to go when that first day of the week starts post contract i guess I remember the days leading up and I remember the more we had meetings, union meetings, and the more they talked about this possibly happening. I mean, it wasn't something I ever did in any other profession that I've been in. I mean, I really been in education, but, you know, striking. I've, I'd seen it. I, I've seen it. I'd seen 
people do it, but I'd never been a part of it. And so it made me nervous because I didn't know what that would look like and, you know, what it would feel like. But I was nervous because, you know, it's kind of a big deal. And so I remember that weekend leading up to that first day, I remember feeling kind of nervous and kind of anxious. And the day I showed up, I I wondered, I I felt like, what's this going to look like? And so we had actually a very regimented schedule, Mm -hmm. not like super strict schedule, but we had like a schedule, what we were going to do, you know? And that first day was tough because it was the coldest day of all that first week. I mean, cold by California standards. I mean, like you might think it's funny, like, oh, it was like (laughs) 45 degrees, 47. (laughs) That was freezing for us. And it was pouring. And we are not at all equipped. We we are not properly dressed for that. And so a lot of us got soaked through and we ended up going to downtown LA, which was about an hour commute. And with a lot of people going to LA at the same time, it was a lot of traffic and so it was kind of really crazy and hectic but wait whoa whoa whoa, 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 whoa. traffic in LA no I'm just, <laughs> sorry had to mention it continue yeah sorry. <laughs> but having survived that first day in that cold and being all gross and soggy you know and feeling like we made it like you know made the rest of the week easier and we started incorporating new elements into our picketing because we had a better mm-hmm. sense of what we we're doing and so we started we have an awesome group of musicians our 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 music teacher and a couple of other teachers who play instruments and they started bringing their instruments and students had started coming in former students alumni started coming and they started playing and that energizes so much and it's funny because I think it was on day three I'm not sure if it was day two or day three where where at every school teachers were incorporating music into their picketing into the protests you know Mm -hmm. and and for some reason, almost every school in LAUSD was dancing those days. And so if you go online and you look at some of the videos, you'll see teachers that are just energized. Like right, somehow yeah. you just find it in you to stay energized and to have fun even. You know, you just got to yeah. find the positive in what you're doing. Because I think as the days moved on for me personally, it really struck me like how much bigger it was what I was doing than just like me and my students and my school it was like a much bigger deal. We we're really trying to save public education. Yeah, you know? that is Keep going so legit. Like that is such a cool statement that you, I mean, there's so much to go through there as well. Like people just coming together, first of all, like that's obviously the first thing to, to look at there is just like people coming together for a cause is beautiful in its, in its own sense. But then like the musicians and all of these things, just the energy coming from other people. It just sounds like so many people were empowered by this. And what's awesome about it is not only were you feeling that, but the nation's watching you and they're getting empowered. They're, I mean, like, I don't know if you've, you've heard of this, but I think Denver on Monday when this comes out yes. actually is about, I believe they're about to go on strike too. So it's just like, maybe there's like this whole like movement that's going, which is yeah. really cool. That's so it is much bigger. And I'm glad that you brought that up. That is such a cool perspective. But hey, we are going to go ahead. We're going to take a really, really quick break and we will come back. And you know what? Forget everything else. I just want to kind of get to know Jacqueline right after the break. And we are back. On the interview with none other than Jacqueline Torres from the San Fernando Valley. What, what is that the name of your school? Or? Yeah, there's a lot of San Fernando in there. So I'm from the San Fernando Valley, city of San Fernando, and the school is San Fernando High School. 
And that is your alma mater as well, right? Indeed, yeah. That is so cool. What a what a dream coming back and giving back what it gave to you, which is awesome. So a little bit, I said before the break that we, we spent the whole first part of the episode talking about the strike, all that good stuff. But now let's acknowledge that you are in a amazing person. I mean, eighth year teaching in as an art teacher, ceramics teacher. I mean, obviously tons of experience there. Obviously you're a very empowered and confident individual. So first thing I really want to get in before we get into story time, because I love story time. Everybody knows that. I just want to ask a really quick question though. And that is, what is something that makes you unique? Like what is making you, you when it comes to teaching? I guess there's a lot of things that I do in my classroom. I don't know how unique they are to other teachers, but I started doing it more so this year, but I stand in front of my door and greet my students every single day. I don't have any special things that I do. I just greet them and that helps me remember their names. But I mean, (laughs) I'm really nosy. And so I like to know about my kids and I think that shows them that I care. So, I mean, I try to remember tidbits about their lives and I show up to their games, to their sports games, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I show them that I'm interested because I am, I'm not pretending. I I genuinely am, you know? Mm -hmm. And I also talk about the things that are really important to me. So if I take a trip, which I like to do on my free time, if I take a trip somewhere, I'm sharing with them what I did, where I went, sometimes even the pictures. In fact, kind of funny little thing that happened. I showed them a trip that I took recently to Oaxaca, a slide of pictures. And at the end, there was this video of me where I was taking a cooking class. And there was this moment where it was in slow motion. I was doing like this flambe thing. It was really kind of cool. And I ended ended the video doing like a quick dab. And all my kids groaned at the same time. It was so (laughs) funny. Um, So I mean, like, I guess the fact that I have fun with my kids, I think that's something that's it's kind of what I do. I have fun with them. You know? That's awesome. And how do you grade creativity? Well, I, I grade what I see every single day in the classroom. So I'm not grading just the final product. I'm mm-hmm. seeing what they do, what their plans are, how they put it together. And I'm definitely not grading. I mean, obviously, skill level takes is a part of it, but like, there's no way I can grade a kid. And when I used to do like drawing and painting who can draw really, really well, so much higher than somebody who comes in with no skills. That's just not fair. So Mm -hmm. I grade them based off of their own progress, their own willingness to take risks and try new things, open-mindedness, you know, because a lot of kids who are really talented, it's frustrating because they come in and they think because they're already good, that there's nothing more to learn and they don't want to step outside of their box. Whereas these kids that don't, don't have skills or or don't feel like, you know, they've they've had a whole lot of practice artistically, Mm -hmm. you know, they're like these blank little canvases. And if they have that growth mindset, they're willing to work hard and to learn anything, you know? And so sometimes they make the better students. I've had sadly, really talented students, uh, creatively and technically, who don't really step outside of their box too much and don't work very hard and who do pretty poorly in my classes. So, yeah. What's really interesting about that is pretty much the same thing. I'm a soccer coach and and it's pretty much the same thing with soccer. Like you have really talented players that don't do as well. I mean, I had a kid that when I first started, I was a C team coach. Now I'm the head coach and he played for me on my C team. Now he's on VAR. Like he, he made varsity this last year while other kids didn't make varsity that made varsity last year. Yeah. Because he worked his butt off and it's like, 
it's it's just goes to show you that like that's how life is you know yeah. like, if you're willing to put in the work results are going to happen but that's really cool yeah to, to hear and everything you say it's just like you're just such an amazing person i love it thank you let's finish this episode out though with some story time so obviously if if you have not heard this podcast. And first of all, what are you doing? And then second of all, story time is where I just kind of give the floor to my guest and let them tell you a story. Now, this story could be sad. It could be happy. It could be motivating. It could be downright offensive, to be honest. Hopefully not, but it could be. I don't know. I have no control. I'm going to shut up for a second and let Jacqueline talk. The floor is yours. All right. Well, thank you. Rather than one big story, I have a lot of little anecdotes of, of students that kind of taught me things, you know, and I mean, obviously I had fun with these kids. And so I think one of my transformative moments in education teaching came in, in my early years when I was learning and working on classroom management and all that. I, I remember having a very reactive attitude. So if students were misbehaving and I was having trouble managing, I would just react. I would take things personally and it just didn't help. And I guess I don't know what I'd done or if we were talking about restorative justice already at that time in that school. But I remember this girl, I'll say her name. Her name was Caroline and she was a pain in the butt. She was in my class and she was being such a class clown and she was mocking me and being very disrespectful. And I was so angry and I was just building up and she, and like all the kids were just like going for it. And this is a group of ninth graders. And I don't know for listeners out there, um, if you teach high school and you work with ninth graders, you know that there's, special compared to the rest of the kids you know and so I always struggle with ninth graders so yeah she was she was tough and so I just remember telling her I'm like Caroline can you step outside and she went outside and I was I don't know I don't know if I counted or what I did but I remember before I could do anything I just took a deep breath and I looked at her and I as honestly as I could I just asked her I said hey how are you doing today are you okay? And I wasn't accusing. I wasn't yelling. I wasn't fighting with her. And I remember her face, her entire gaze and her, her body just changed because she didn't expect that at all. She was, she was ready for a fight. We didn't have this long drawn out conversation. She was still dealing with something. I know she was dealing with something, but after that day, after that moment, she did not become an exemplary student, but she was a lot more respectful, a kinder person, and she wasn't she she didn't have that attitude, that behavior problem with me. She still needed to work on her work ethic, but that changed. And so that was a very transformative, I guess, moment for me. It changed the way I approached moments like that with students. Another student, I don't have as much to say about this only because it it was something I learned about on the tail end. I, teachers, we always have students that we gravitate towards because we get along with them, because we can relate to them, etc. And so, I mean, I love my kids. They're all so different. I have fun with them. But I had this senior this one year, and they were working on their personal statements. And this girl, Kate, she, she came up to me one day and she told me, she's like, Miss Torres, you know, uh, I'm not sure. She had said something about writing her personal statement and telling me, that I had inspired her. And this was such a shock because I didn't have an extra like close relationship with her. And what that made me realize was that whether you know it or not, there's so many students that you don't even realize are really paying close attention to you. Mm-hmm. You know, so I try not to take myself seriously because, you know, I'm kind of a goofy person, especially <laughs> in my class. But that made me take what I say and how I say it to my students much more seriously because I'm like somebody is always listening yeah and I've had 
I had other, I've had other things with other students. I've had some things happen with some male students that were also pretty transformative. I have this student whose name is Sunny, and this kid also had, I worked at a school that worked with kids with a lot of behavior and academic issues. And, and Sunny, which was his nickname because he had a really long name in Thai that most of us couldn't pronounce. He missed like a whole year of school and he was in trouble with the law and he'd gotten, I think he'd gotten to jail and he did a lot of street art, a lot of tagging. And that was the first year I started teaching AP. And so I asked him if he was interested in my AP class and he became one of those really awesome students that would show up every day. And he stayed in my class all day long, yeah. but he started showing up and, and he did beautiful work. I'm honestly surprised he didn't pass the, the AP exam, but he did amazing work. Like he was total growth mindset kid, you know? Yeah. And if you saw him, you wouldn't guess. Like he was this, he came in where he would come in wearing these like leather jackets and leather vests that had spikes all over. And oh, he was wow. loud and he was rude, but he was so sweet to me. I loved him, you know? Mm-hmm. And it just showed me that success can't always be measured in the same way. Success isn't about test scores. Like that's a success story to me. The fact that this kid started showing up and started caring. That um, is... Oh, I'm sorry. No, um, I guess I'll do one more and then, you know, I don't know if we, how much more time we have. I used to do critiques. No, I still do. I still have critiques in my classes. And so I used to do these big circles and we'd do critiques. And my kids would always moan and groan about mo- uh, about doing their, uh, talking about their art because it was kind of like corny to them. They're like, oh, what is this? I had one time, I didn't know what to do, where I had, you know, a lot of boys. And this was my rowdiest class. I had a lot of really rowdy ninth grade boys. And I had a couple of juniors. And one of my juniors who'd been, and sadly, he's tragically passed. He, uh, he started sharing some of his life stories through his art. You know, he started explaining how his art reflected his life. And he went really deep. He was not afraid at all to share. Mm -hmm. And he, he remained composed despite everything. But then the next boy started sharing, one of the, the ninth grade boys, and that kind of released something. And I like three or four boys and girls in a row just started all sharing really deep things triggered by, prompted by this first boy. Right. And before I knew it, a lot of kids were crying, like half of my kids were crying. Oh, and wow. I knew it was a really good thing. But at the same time, I was afraid of how this could pan out. So I remember having to like call one of my friends who was like, kind of like in an administrative position position and a counselor like I kind of need backup you know because these boys I can't send them to their next class because they're going through something really really strong it was the boys that were dealing with it the most and so it it was a very powerful moment and it really helped me and the other students to to see the importance of creating art and to express yourself and to express your emotions especially for the boys I think that was a really important moment so really happy with it but scary too because I'm like how do I deal with this that is such a good set of stories there just because like there's so much in it there's so much in it I mean the fact that you really don't know how many students lives you're touching when you say things and when you look at like the the ability to take a like the first story you said to take a student out and then just ask them how they're doing that's actually what I what I go to schools and talk about like the two questions I focus on when I go and I talk to schools is asking how are you and then finishing the the interaction with if you need anything let me know because the first one says hey i see you like you're a person like you're there 
I I'm interacting with you. <laughs> like, and then right. the second one is like, Hey, if you need anything, you're not alone. Mm-hmm. You're saying, okay, like there are people here for you. You don't have to be alone in this journey, which is really cool. And another common thing I heard from your stories was the idea of growth mindset. Just that is so fluent with what you're doing. And it's so obvious and it just radiates when you talk and, and when you explain what you're doing and the passion kind of just like shows as well. I don't know. Very impressive. Really cool. With that said though, we are about out of time. So if people want to get in contact with you, how can they do that? Okay. So my Instagram handle where I have like pictures of my work, my travel, my, you know, my, the strike, even I have videos of the strike is at Jackalona, J-A-C-K-E-L-O-N-A. My email is uh, jackalona at yahoo.com. So the same spelling as my Instagram. I'm sweet. Well, we will put a link to both of those in the description. And this has been a fantastic interview. I really, like I said, thank you so much for, for taking the time to talk with me tonight. And wow, this has been very powerful and I, I appreciate it. I've, I hope the listeners out there also appreciate it. I, I'm sure they will. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful night. Thank you for having me. You too. We're almost there. We're almost at the end of the show. But first, my weekly challenge. Now, every week I give you a challenge based on what the theme of the episode was all about. And Jackie kept bringing up this growth mindset, the the idea that we can always be growing, that we can always improve, and that we can always become better. So I want you to adopt that and learn a couple new things this week. Make that your goal, whether it's about your students or whether it's about you just as a teacher or whether you just learn new strategies or anything. Just have that growth mindset going through the week. I hope you have a wonderful week. Make a huge impact. And we'll see you next Monday. Peace.